It's February 26th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your host today as we navigate through the scriptures. If you're joining with us for the first time, welcome. If you've been traveling with us since the beginning of the year, congratulations on making it this far, and I hope you're gaining an understanding of God's redemptive plan as it unfolds in human history. You know, it's a wonderful thing to behold the work and instruction of the Lord in the Old Testament and to see how it all comes to fulfillment in the New Testament. Not only is our vocabulary of redemption increasing, but so is our vocabulary of praise and prayer, especially as we read the book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook. Holiness is a big theme in the book of Leviticus, and that's where we are today in our Old Testament reading. So let's get started and pick up where we left off in this section that deals with holiness in our relationships, starting with chapter 19, verse 1. Leviticus 19, the Lord is holy, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, To all the congregation of the people of Israel, say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it or on the day after, and anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten at all on the third day, it is tainted. It will not be accepted. And everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity, because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from his people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning, and you shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not do injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. If a man lies sexually with a woman who is a slave, 
assigned to another man, and not yet ransomed or given her freedom, a distinction shall be made. They shall not be put to death, because she was not free. But he shall bring his compensation to the Lord, to the entrance of the tent of meeting, a ram for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering before the Lord for his sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven for the sin that he has committed. When you come into the land and plant any kind of tree for food, then you shall regard its fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you, it must not be eaten. And in the fourth year all its fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year you may eat of its fruit, to increase its yield for you. I am the Lord your God. You shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. You shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of depravity. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and you shall observe all my statutes and all my rules, and do them. I am the Lord. Chapter 20 Punishment for Child Sacrifice The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, Any one of the people of Israel, or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Moloch, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he has given one of his children to Molech, to make my sanctuary unclean, and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech, and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan, and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. If a man lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. 
Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes a woman and her mother also, it is depravity. He and they shall be burned with fire, that there may be no depravity among you. If a man lies with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and lies with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes his sister, a daughter of his father or a daughter of his mother, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace, and they shall be cut off in the sight of the children of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness, and he shall bear his iniquity. If a man lies with a woman during her menstrual period and uncovers her nakedness, he has made naked her fountain, and she has uncovered the fountain of her blood. Both of them shall be cut off from among their people. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister or of your father's sister, for that is to make naked one's relative. They shall bear their iniquity. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. We can be grateful that we live in the New Testament era and that Jesus, who upheld the law and fulfilled God's demands for holiness on behalf of the guilty, said to the accusers of the woman taken in the act of adultery in John's Gospel, chapter 8, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus, who is the author of the law, as well as the upholder, says to the woman, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus is not ignoring her sin. He takes the death penalty her sin deserved in order to show her the tender mercy of the law. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, Moses is told to speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is the only time that Moses is told to speak to the entire nation of Israel. His message not only summarizes this chapter, but the entire book of Leviticus. They are to be holy. How holy? As holy as God is holy. The code of conduct is based on God's nature. God's holiness is the standard, because we are made in God's image, rather than vice versa. Verses 3 to 8 recapitulate the first table of the law, from the fifth to the first, minus the third commandment, pertaining to taking the name of the Lord in vain, which is restated in verse 12. Honor is to be given to parents, in Leviticus 19.3. The family is the first unit of society and the one through which the children should come to the knowledge of God. Here the mother is placed before the father, which suggests honoring God's design for the participation of each parent. This is the fifth commandment on the first table of the law in Exodus chapter 20 verse 12. They are to observe the Sabbath, Leviticus 19.3. The Sabbath recognizes God's rights to our time. It was a sign of the covenant relationship that God established with Israel. Sabbath-breaking was considered rebellion against God. This is the fourth commandment, as we find in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Next, there was the prohibition of idolatry, idol worship, 
and idol-making. In verse 4, idolatry is a denial of the one true God. This combines the first and second commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. They are given the commandment to take their allotted share of the peace offering. This was the only offering in which the offerer could take a portion. But the offerer was to resist the temptation of taking more than their allotted portion or keeping it longer than two days. Leftovers beyond that were to be burned up. In verses 9 to 18, we have a summary of the second table of the law, highlighting that a right relationship with the Lord demands a right relationship with others. In verses 9 to 10, they are to consider the needs of the poor. Leave the corners of your crop fields unharvested. In verse 11, you shall not steal, you shall not lie. That is, bear false witness. Commandments 8 and 9 in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verses 15 to 16. In verse 12, there is a prohibition against false swearing and taking the name of the Lord in vain. That's commandment 3 in the Ten Commandments in verse 7 of Exodus 20. There are laws for equitable labor relationships. In verse 13, care for the helpless. In verse 14, righteous judgments and fair trials. In verse 15, see also Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 16. And warning is against the sins of the tongue. In verse 16, in verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. A negative stating of what is found in verse 18 and is quoted by Jesus as the follow-up to the greatest commandment. That is, you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus teaches in the parable of the certain Samaritan that our neighbor is anyone we come across in the pathway of our lives. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 29 to 37. We see other ordinances listed, some of which relate to the evil religious practices of the Canaanites. There is the prohibition of hybrids, that is, the mixture of different seeds or cloth made of different kinds of material. Some of the reasons for this are explained later and are relevant even in their symbolism. For example, wool, representing the works of the flesh from the old animal nature, causes sweat, and linen, representing the righteousness of Christ, is spun from the flax produced by a seed falling into the ground and dying, such as Jesus spoke of in John chapter 12, verse 24. There are laws purposed to prevent oppression and exploitation. If an employer took advantage of a female sexually, it was to be recognized and dealt with as sin, yet the man alone was judged as guilty and was required to bring the guilt offering. The intent of the law is to maintain God's standards for purity and protect vulnerable female slaves. Though slavery was existent in most cultures, and its ills are recognized in the Bible, it should not be construed that slavery was ever endorsed by God or the Scriptures, even though it acknowledges the existence of these relationships. God's people are to have no participation in heathen rites. Charms, enchantments, divination, fortune-telling, horoscopes, sorcery, witchcraft, interpreting natural phenomena such as clouds and stars, and attempts to communicate with the dead are forbidden. Tattoos and painting the body were customs that denoted belonging to a pagan cult. The body is God's creation and belongs to Him. It should be kept whole according to His design. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 8-20. to 20. In verse 28 of Leviticus 19, 
You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Among the pagan customs that the Israelites were to condemn was the practice of offering children to Moloch. Excavations in Palestine have revealed piles of ashes and skeletons of infants buried around the heathen altars. Sadly, the worship of Moloch, which included the sacrifice of children, was encouraged by Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 7, and Manasseh in 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 6, and the last kings before Judah fell to the Babylonians in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 35. According to God's law, a person who gave his child to be sacrificed was to receive a punishment equal to his crime. Now let's read from the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, beginning with verse 11. The Pharisees demand a sign. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it 
but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We can see in these events that Jesus is surrounded by disbelieving and arguing Pharisees, seeking a sign, yet blinded to the fact that Jesus was fulfilling the messianic prophecies. He also was surrounded by his disciples who were expressing their lack of perception and hardness of heart by their anxiety about having insufficient supply of bread. And this was after Jesus had just fed multitudes of 5,000 and 4,000 with enough leftovers for his disciples to take with them. Jesus heals the blind man and does not let him go until he sees men as they really are. His gracious touch enables us to see him as he is, and ourselves as we are. And this happens to the disciples also at Caesarea Philippi. The Father opens their eyes, and Peter, as the disciples' spokesperson, confesses that he sees Jesus as he really is, the Christ. Jesus strictly charges that they do not tell others at this time. There may be many reasons for this. It may have caused attempts to kill him prior to his arriving for his appointed time to be offered as the Lord's Passover, but we note that the disciples were given a gag order until after the resurrection. Only then could they present the right message of Christ crucified, risen, and glorified, having completed the work of redemption. Who do you say that Jesus is? In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, there is a turning point in this gospel. As Tim Keller brought out in his book, King's Cross, the first half of the book, chapters 1 through 8, demonstrates Jesus' supreme authority as king through his miraculous works. The second half of the book, chapters 9 through 16, has the cross in view. In verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now that the disciples know who Jesus is, they too must be willing to bear the cost of identifying with him. Even as Jesus had his imminent death on the cross in view, we are to keep our identification, our co-crucifixion, co-burial, co-resurrection, and co-ascension in view. In Mark 8:34, And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Have you identified with Christ to the degree that you have accepted your death with Him and that your life is singularly bound up with His? Do you shy away from identifying with Christ and His words publicly? And now we return to the book of Psalms, Psalm 42. Reading Psalm 42 today will be my good friend Ben Harris. Book 2. Why are you cast down, O my soul? To the choir master, a maskil of the sons of Korah. 
As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep, at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Thank you, Ben. Psalm 42 reminds us that we need to continually resort to the Lord. We're not to let the moods of our souls, our feelings, and partial perceptions dominate our lives. The psalmist speaks to his soul, and so must we. He confronts his soul with the words, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. Not only does the psalmist counsel his soul, speaking the truth of God's rock-solid praiseworthiness, but he meditates upon God's faithful doings throughout his life journey, the whole breadth of it, from the land of the Jordan where he drinks from the streams to the source of all his refreshment in the mountain springs of Hermon. Like the psalmist, we should reflect upon our lives being resourced by the outpouring of his love. In verse 8, the psalmist knows the value of not just speaking truth to his soul, but he is also speaking honestly to God in prayer, in verse 9, confessing his frailty, yet remaining confident in the revelation of his faithfulness as our God and Savior. And now for our proverb for the day that keeps folly away, Proverbs 10:17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. This proverb shows us the life benefits of instruction and warns us of the dangerous consequences of rejecting correction. How do you respond to criticism? How do you respond to instruction and reproof? You are an example, so be sure that you are walking on the right path. Let's pray. Lord, you are holy. Thank you that you have turned the command, you shall be holy, into a promise in Christ Jesus. May the grace of our living Savior help us to say no to ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Thank you for your sanctifying presence and your sanctifying word. Fill us with your Spirit so that your love flows out towards you and towards our fellow man. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have revealed to us by the work of the Spirit that Jesus is the Christ. We bind ourselves to him by faith. 
taking to ourselves all that He is and all that He has done on our behalf. We choose to take up our cross and boldly identify with Him, knowing that we have been crucified with Christ, and the life that we now live, we live in Him and through Him and for Him. Help us this day to be disciple-making missionaries. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for being with us today, and if this has been a benefit to you, we would love to hear from you. We also encourage you to subscribe and visit our website, www.newlife.org. You can also contact us by email at podcast at newlife.org. Thank you and God bless you.